Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Scott Stedman Podcast. Thank you so much for uh, joining uh, us this morning. With me, as always, my co-host, Micah Current. How are you doing today, Micah? Good. How are you? It's been a couple I, weeks. It, it has been a couple weeks. I mean, we've had a lot of stuff I've recorded without you, um, particularly, they probably already heard it already at this point, maybe, depending on how these episodes come out, but did kind of a deconstruction reunion for the deconstruction series I did in the fall of last year. So that was good conversations just to kind of catch up with everybody. But yeah, it's been it's been a couple of weeks and started a new job too. So it's it's been wild. It's been a it's been a wild couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Goodness. So today, our topic we're going to talk about today has to do with churches and money or finances. So everybody's uh, are favorite you ready? topic. Everyone's favorite topic. I mean, I I, t- I could be honest with you. Like any time when I felt like there had to be the tithing sermon, which I think if you're a pastor, you know, kind of the culture around the tithing sermon. Um, I never liked preaching those sermons. Those sermons were always the worst. And it was never ones that I felt like I needed to go and speak about. Very few that I feel like I had to speak about it, not because from a financial position, but I think it was just more of a clarity position on kind of what the Bible teaches. But there's been other times where I felt like I always got pressure from, you know, a board or maybe the finance committee saying, hey, pastor giving's down you got you got to preach a tithing sermon and it was just like <laughs> yeah so i didn't really like preaching those sermons <laughs> so so yeah i think when it comes to um gosh like yeah it's the worst um so yeah church and money let's let's dive into that so obviously when we think about how a church is run a church is always ran based on giving. It's based on people's giving to the church, whether it's a tithe, whether it's an offering. A lot of times I hear people when they talk about tithes and offerings, uh, sometimes there's even confusion with that as far as what they actually mean. So Michael, what, what's a tithe? How do, how do you see a tithe as? Uh, giving to a church or to a ministry and the Bible instructs us to give uh 10% of our, our income. And, uh, the way that I've understood it, that's just the way that I've understood it. Uh, since, you know, I was just a little kid and growing up in a pastor's home. Um, now I've seen that approach taken, a, a, you know, a number of different ways where people give specifically to a mission. People, people give specifically to their church. They give to, uh, a national church or organization. Um, I've also seen, uh, you know, people go through hardships in life where that can change a little bit, where you may be in a job transition, you may not be uh, attending a church regularly, uh, or um, you just don't know where to start, right? So Mm -hmm. like, there's three, it's threefold, where you're, you know, you're giving on a regular basis to a church, there's the instructions from the Bible from Jesus, you know, give 10% of your income. There's the, uh, the transitions where you're going through maybe a hardship in life, um, and then there's people that are, are new to church, right? Third, thirdly, there, there's people that are new to church and may not know anything about giving, may not know anything about tithing. And so, um, 
a pastor um, that I used to work for used to give the advice of you got to start somewhere, right? And mm-hmm. as soon as you start somewhere, it may not be 10% right off the bat, but at least you get into the practice of giving to the church, giving to the Lord. And yeah, so that's kind of like my understanding of just like some basic principles of tithing and giving. And um, obviously that, that that's changed drastically over the course of the last 20 or so years because you've went from giving in an offering plate to giving online to uh, during 2020 with COVID, you mm-hmm. were giving in the giving boxes online, giving through texting, giving through a website, giving through an app, different things like that. So like yeah. it's just evolved over the course of you know the last 20 to 30 years. Yeah. And, and even with, with tithing and, and I would say like, yeah, tithing is usually like a 10th of one's income, or especially when we look at the old Testament, a lot of times that 10th, it usually would have been like a 10th of the produce you grew the 10th of, if you grew grain, it would be a 10th of your grain would go uh, to God. Um, so there's always, you know, some type of way where there's always a giving of a portion of what you've made, what you've earned, what you grew to give to God. Uh, the other the other side of that is there's always um, offerings. I know if you go to church, they say, now we're going to collect our tithes and offerings. And it almost sounds like that those two are two separate things. And from what, it, and I can remember, there was a time where I was told that a tithe was money you gave to the church where you had your name on it. So for an example, if I wrote a check or if I put money in a tithing envelope that had a number on it, so that way they could keep track of it, where an offering was an anonymous giving. And that was incorrect. Like from at least looking at like kind of like a Bible dictionary, how they describe offering is an offering is any type of gift given to a king or a God as an act of, uh, worship or devotion. Um, and it represents a pledge of loyalty between the giver and the receiver. So when we look at offering, you know, it's basically how I've always interpreted it from a financial point of view is if I'm giving an offering, this is something that kind of is above and beyond my tithe, or it may be something extra. It may be something where if I tithe my 10% to the church, then, but then I give money to the youth ministry, then that would be considered an offering because it's extra that I'm giving to maybe a different organization within a church, or I might be giving to like, you know, like um, another organization, like a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen. There's like a lot of things uh, where an offering can be. Um so that's kind of where I see the whole idea of tithing offering. And I think you're kind of right, Mike, especially in our modern age, the fact of giving and the idea of giving 10% sometimes can change based on, are you working based on if there's a lifestyle, if there's a life change, like obviously um, if you're working at a company and let's say you're making, I don't know, let's say you're making 80 grand a year. And then you leave that job and you're working at a company and you're making 60 grand a year. Well, that's going to affect your tithe. If you are someone who's diligently giving 10%, I mean, it may, the treasurer who may be counting, it may see a drop, but for you, you're still being obedient to giving your 10% is just a little less than what you're able to give. Um, so there's a lot of factors that go into tithe and giving. And I feel like um, when it comes to, 
how those tithing messages are presented or what the pastor says from the pulpit. Sometimes there's stuff that's very good and encouraging. And I think there's some stuff that's kind of um, in a misinterpretation or a misuse of using scripture to communicate um, giving to the church. So Michael, where have you in within your experience or within ministry where you have seen those type of conversations be fruitful and even those types of conversations have been downright cringy or awful yeah so the you know i thought of, i'm i'm gonna back up a little bit but i, I yeah. thought uh i thought about the, the word offering and mm-hmm. i think about the old testament when people didn't bring physical money to a church building mm-hmm. right they they brought an offering whether it was an animal livestock um you know stuff from their farms things like you were talking about like mm-hmm. grains or you know produce anything that they've you know they've grown in their own on their own behalf but they literally brought it before the lord they brought it to the lord they brought it to the temple and they brought it as an offering because they respected the authority of of, of the high god of yahweh and um now you know you know you fast forward 2000 plus years later it's like it's a church is a business and we want your money so that we can, we can thrive and we can continue to support staff and ministries and missions and where all those things are needed and are true. Um, I think we forget the fact that first and foremost, that money, that tithe, that gift, that offering is a gift to the Lord first. And mm-hmm. um, I think we forget that a lot of times. And so, yeah. um, you know, I've heard, I've heard some good, good sermons about, not necessarily like giving offerings, but just giving your all to God, including finances, including your marriage, including relationships, including, you know, all the various aspects of our life. But I also have heard um, cringeworthy sermons where we need your money because we're not going to make the, the, the building fund next month. And, you know, it almost makes people feel bad and you almost bring mm-hmm. people down. And it's like, that's not healthy and that's not okay. Like, yes. If you're struggling, your congregation, your folks need to know that and you need to have an honest conversation. But I don't know necessarily that during that time of corporate worship, during that time of breaking the word and delivering the word and bringing people to Jesus, that that's the appropriate time or place. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if you agree with that. I, 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 I do. Because again, you know, when I think about giving, it basically is. And I guess, sorry, I feel like, what, I, what I'm coming from in the, in, the, in the respect of that is like, if the church is in trouble financially, that's what I mean. Right. So like if, if you're pastoring a church, Scott, and they're financially in trouble, you know, you're not going to like preach at them for 45 minutes and tell them that like, uh, we're in trouble. We need your money and make them feel bad about it. Like preach your sermon at an after church, have a, a special call business meeting or something, or let people know that, Hey, we're struggling financially this month or something like that. If we don't make the mortgage, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Like there's a time and a place for that versus talking about giving specifically does that make sense yeah absolutely and i mean and i would say that would probably be i mean if you're if you're a church and you're struggling with your finances that's something that has to be kind of a separate business meeting that's something that has to be kind of talked about i mean i once had a one time i remember oh geez this is probably maybe i think at this point six years ago it was probably like my second year of ministry um, here in Virginia. And I remember there was a conversation about, well, you know, there's pastors who, 
you know, when they preach, they say, hey, if you're not giving 10%, you're robbing God. And they would quote Micah, Micah 3. And that would be the, I think it's Micah. I believe it's Micah 3. Let me just double. Yeah, Micah 3, 8, um, where it says, will anyone rob God? Yet you are robbing me. But you say, how are we robbing you in your tithes and offerings? You are cursed with a curse for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house and thus put me in the put me to the test as the Lord of hosts. See if I'll not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you an overflowing blessing. And they use this. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to I'm going to get heated. So hold on. They, they use this verse of basically saying, if you are not giving money to the church, then you are cursed. So and how they've been how they twist that scripture, Micah, as I've seen it, is if you're having issues with your finances, well, that's because you're not giving. If you actually gave your 10%, then your finances are going to be done. If you're dealing with problems at work, that's going to magically disappear because you're now giving 10%. If your kids are failing school, if you give 10%, your kids are going to be doing good. And when we look at the whole entire prophet of Micah, there's a famine in the land. And not only that, but then the priest who are supposed to be taking care of the storehouse, they're eating all the food. And so that's when God's saying, you're robbing me in tithes and offering. He's literally saying, you priest, you're robbing, you're eating all the food for yourselves and you're telling people they need to give more, but there's a famine in the land. So you guys are not doing your, I mean, and I'm paraphrasing here, you guys are not doing your job. And it's like, how do we take a verse like that and say, hey, congregation, you're not giving enough money to the church. You're not tithing enough to the church. And because of that, you're cursed. You're going to be, you're, you're, the reason why you're dealing with hardships in life is because you're not giving. Like, I find that very, very evil in some ways yeah and for, go ahead michael no and i was gonna say not that i want to like bring up covid because god we've heard enough about that over the last couple of years but like think about like some of the financial hardships that people have had like whether they've lost their jobs and you know you know they're some of them are they haven't came to church or they're coming back to church and it's like you know they, they don't know where to start because of financial hardship and i'm not comparing the famine that was in the bible but you know like they went through some pretty rough times and like, we're going through some rough times. So like, yeah. it's, you know, how do you gauge, you know, when to preach and teach and talk about giving um, in the local church today as, as it compares to them, like literally like within the last couple of years, because of just everything that's been going on in our country and our world. Yeah. And, and even, and even like that, like even, and again, like I never got COVID, so I'm not even, I'm not even sure. You know, I'm the, talking about just specifically with that, the people have lost their jobs and yeah. you know, because of that, or people, you know, got laid off or, you know, they can't just. Or even, barely... or even, but even people who got sick and they're in the hospital, like I had a buddy who got COVID last November and he was in the hospital for 90 days. Yeah. And so, you know, and I'm sure that wasn't free. <laughs> I'm sure that cost a, a pretty penny, whether he had insurance or not. I'm sure that was going to take a cost and that's going to affect, you know, giving. And the way I've always approached giving 
you know, when I, when I had to preach those messages, I've always said two things. I said, give what you can, because even in Micah, even in that verse, there's a point where the Lord says, test me in this. And I think when we look at throughout all scriptures, you know, we see, do not test the Lord your God. But the only time we actually see God say, test me in something is usually when it comes to giving. So what I always tell people, I say, hey, if you're not giving anything right now, start by giving a little bit yep. and just give a little bit, see how it goes, see if you're still able to pay for gas to get the work. And if you feel like you're, you know, hey, I'm giving, you know, 3% of my salary and I don't even want to dive into, well, is it before or after taxes and people using give the Caesar what it's even use that verse? Like that doesn't matter. We're getting too legalistic at that point. I'm saying it's whatever you feel you need to give to God. Yes, we have the Bible and it says 10% or offerings, just whatever you feel like. And even if we want to dive into second, what is it? Second, is it second Corinthians? Yeah, second Corinthians 9, 7, where the apostle Paul tells the church, you know, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. You know, don't to give reluctantly, don't give under compulsion because for God loves a cheerful giver. And when we look at that verse, that kind of blows a lot of what we see in the Old Testament away. At some point, some people say it's an either or. I think it's both. I think at, if you have already decided, you know what, God, I love you. I love the church that I'm a part of. Here's what I can give. So I'm going to do that and give this. Then, yeah, give what you feel. And then if you and if there's opportunities for you to give more then increase. And that's one thing that I always taught, like, and if you're someone who maybe finances are really rough and you feel like you can't give a, t- a tithe or you can't give what you used to give, then you can give in other ways besides money. And, and probably the most important one is the giving of your time and your talents. Yep. I was going to say, I was just going to say that. Yep. Because I mean, because I mean, even like Micah used, like you mentioned, like, oh, when budget's bad and you go, okay, you got to give to the church, you got to give to the church or we're not going to make budget. And it's like, okay, within a church context, we know that giving is based on what people give to the church. At the same time, if you are a church, I mean, if you're a small, medium church and your numbers have stayed the same for five, six, seven years and you're not meeting budget for those five, six, seven years, the only way to increase that is not by saying, hey, give more. It's basically going outside the church walls, proclaim the gospel to people, invite people to come to church. If they like your church, then they become members. And if they become members, then eventually they will start to give. And that's the way you increase your giving to make budget or... Or you decide to say, okay, where are we going to make cuts? And sometimes if you say, well, we want to keep our pastor and we want to keep our staff, but we're not making budget, then you're going to say, okay, well, then we're going to have to cut something or we're going to have to put a lot of emphasis on volunteers. And if people don't want to volunteer, which that's a that's another podcast for another day, then you might have to say, okay, well, then maybe we have to downsize, you know, the church in its heyday, we had 200 people. We now have 50 people, but we're still in a building that holds 200 people. 
maybe we need to downsize. Maybe we need to relocate. Maybe we need yeah. to do some of these things. And maybe that will help without paying the, the foundational building expenses for a 200 plus church for a church of 50 with a membership of 50, then maybe that can help offset some of your costs. So then that way you can say, okay, we're now in this place now where we're actually making budget. We didn't have to cut any of our staff and we're able to, and since we're not worried about money, money, money all the time, we can really put our focus on what we need to do, which is being missional and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to our community. Yep. And I was going to take it a step further, and I don't know if you were going to go go with this, but uh, go ahead. You know, being good stewards of God's money, mm-hmm. and if you're good stewards of God's money, you know, taking it beyond the tithing conversation, but like, if you're not making budget, why aren't you making budget? Is it because people aren't giving, or is it because you're spending beyond what you have? Right? Like, I think it it takes it. It, it, it doesn't just start, I mean, it does start, you know, sort of with somebody communicating, hey, this is giving, this is how we give, this is why we give. They proceed with giving, and then, you know, people kind of, you know, the dreaded uh, yearly business meetings where people find out, you know, what's going on with the church, how the church is doing, how the church's finances are going. But at the same time, like, you know, you've got to, you got to keep people engaged and you got to keep people um, in tune with how things are going with your church. And like, if you're blowing all this money and not being good stewards of God's money, then it's no wonder your budget's not great. So you got to live within, like if you're a church of 50, you got to live within being a church of 50. If you're a church of a hundred, you got to live within a church of being a hundred. If you're a church of a thousand and so on and so forth. And um, that all starts with, with being good stewards of God's money. You know, it yeah. goes hand and it goes hand in hand with tithing, right? It goes hand in hand with giving. Like if people, oops, sorry, whoops, continue. I'm sorry, I hit the button, the pause, and keep going. <laughs> We're did I? Did, did I stop? It was my fault. I I went to go move my mouse. I must have clicked it on the pause button. <laughs> you know, it all, um, it all goes hand in hand. Tithing and being good stewards of God's money, and if you live within those means, like that that goes a long way, right? You can't, mm-hmm. you know, you have to be realistic with your budget. You have to be realistic with, with the money that you have. You got to be realistic there. It's, it's like, it's no different than owning a house, right? You have expenses. The water heater blows up. The air conditioner goes out. You need a new roof. You need new carpet. You need new bathrooms. You need to renovate your space. Um, those things all go hand in hand with being good stewards of God's money. And if you're like blowing, I don't know, 15 grand on a sound system that you don't know how to use and uh, you know, cameras and stuff that you don't have people that know how to run them and then you buy them and then it doesn't get used. Then why did you buy them? And now, you know, from somebody who works in production ministry and worship ministry, like you, um, you have to do your research because it's no different than buying a car. Like you buy a car and it depreciates in value as soon as you drive it, drive it off the lot. Same thing happens with cameras and sound systems and speakers and PA gear and, you know, everything. But at the same time, you have to keep up with the times. You've got to renovate your space. you got to make things look more inviting and you got to keep your building up to code. And like it, it, it's all a process, but it's all balancing act. We've talked about balance act, balancing act and other podcasts and other topics, but like you have to like be realistic. Yeah. And, and I think that's, and I think that's wise. Cause I know, um, 
years ago when my parents' new pastor came into the church, one of the things he wanted to do is do a complete renovation of the sanctuary, like change the carpet, demo some walls, redo everything. And, the, and it was called the Generations Project that they're going to do. And there, and there were some people who were critical of it going, well, what does changing carpet have to do with or painting or painting a wall have to do with you know making creating an inviting space and it's like i mean i go into that building now and believe me i could walk before they used to have this plush red carpet and i always noticed the plush red carpet because it was just like ugly right and now is that going to affect my membership to the church no but for a first time visitor it could be so but then when they go to a more grayer carpet and they kind of have a, a space that's a little bit more blended and everything kind of matches so it's not like plush red carpet but then you have beige walls and it looks like you know a church from the 1970s which you know it was built in the 70s but now it looks like hey this church is built in the 70s but it looks like it could have been built in like the 2010s like that's for some people, that's important and not necessarily we're going to spend a bunch of money on trying to be hip and cool, but there are some things that you have to look at and say, okay, here are some things that we can kind of try to do to kind of help make the space or actually have speakers that can actually play music instead of just having amps on the stage and people plugging guitars into amps because we can't run them through the soundboard and they'll blow to the 1970 speakers. You know, well, I you think got, those got are... Go ahead. Sorry. No. So I think that, you know, when we think about being good stewards, you know, there are times where it's like, okay, let's look what we have. But I think also when there are these big projects, we have to kind of, in some ways, take a leap of faith and saying, okay, we're going to take a leap of faith in this direction in the hopes that we will get the results that we want to get. But I think when you do those leap of faith moments, you have to have a clear vision and it has to be communicated clearly so that everybody kind of knows, okay, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to have. Because if you have people who still don't understand the vision of why we're doing it and people still don't understand the clarity of it, then at the end, you spend all this money on something. And then like I've seen so many times when people would build additions to churches, you built this brand new addition, you have your cut cutting ribbing ceremony. And then there's some at least a couple of people who leave the church because it's like, well, we built this brand new facility. We're now in, you know, debt by hundreds of hundreds and thousands of dollars. And there was no clear vision for why we built this thing in the first place. Well, too. And I think if we take it a step further, like if you have somebody like me who has had to live within the means of the ministry that I'm working for at that time, there are tons of free resources out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, if somebody knows what they're doing with video editing or graphic design or uh, sound or video engineering, like get them plugged in. Maybe you don't pay them a ton of money, but maybe you pay them $150 a week or a stipend or something like that so that they can, you know, you just give them free reign of like, you know, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, we're going to post to social media every day. We're going to invite people to church. We're going to encourage people, whether it's through um, graphics or videos and like all that stuff's free. Social media is free, right? Like posting to social media is free. 
there's gra there's tons of graphic design stuff out there that's free. And um, quick story: yesterday, I was I've been serving at this church for a couple of weeks, just helping them with their their live stream setup. And about a month ago, I did a, a video with their pastor, like a welcome to church video. This is who we are. This is our vision. You know, we, we would love for you to partner with us and come alongside us and just inviting them to church and just telling them a little bit more about that ministry. And yesterday I, um, I walked downstairs to ask the pastor a question and this couple walks into the church and nobody had ever seen them before. And they're like, Hey, uh, you know, welcome to our church. We're glad you're here. And, uh, the pastor was like, just a random question. How did you hear about us? They heard about that video. They heard by that video, you know, via that video. Like they, they were scrolling through Facebook they saw the video that we made. And because they saw that video, guess what? They came to church. Yeah. That church didn't pay me to make that video. I did it on my own. Mm -hmm. And it's not about money to me, but at the same time, the power of a digital platform and the power, you know, the power of social media is very suggestive and that, you can invite people to church and people may come to church because they see something or they're scrolling through TikTok or scrolling through Instagram or scrolling mm -hmm. through Facebook and all that stuff is free. So like, yeah. it just blows my mind in 2022, the churches are still hung up on the fact that like, Oh, we renovated the lobby and we're going to get mad because you painted the wall a different color, but like, yeah. <laughs> like it's and, just... and yeah. And, and I, and I, and just to kind of, kind of, you know, kind of summarize everything that you just said. And even that, like, you know, Things like graphic design, you know, I mean, there's sites like Canva where you could just do it for free and you don't have to pay anything and you can just, you know, you could get pictures, put something nice and layer it and you're good. Um, even like with music, like even just recording like your services. I mean, I knew a lot of churches who would use Audacity because it was an open source free editing yep. program and it's a really OBS good for live streaming. OBS for live streaming. Yeah, that's free too. And when you look at, all the options. I mean, I think the big thing for people is again, it's finding being good stewards of what you have, trying to see if there's any good free stuff out there that you can use. But then more importantly, using people's gifts and talents. Like, yep. yeah, you didn't get paid for that video, but you use your gift and talent to, to do yep. that. At the same time, you can have a volunteer at your church who is very good at like video editing. They could probably put a nice video out for you and just say, Hey, would you be willing? We want to give you a video. Here's kind of what we want. Here's kind of what we want to say and just let them kind of create and go with it. And then after that, you know, they're using their time and their talents to do that. And you could either pay them a stipend or not pay them at all and just say, Hey, this video. And it, plus it even empowers that person. Like they feel like, well, what can I do in the church? And now you just gave them an option for something for them to do. So well, also too, if I could take that a step further. Yeah, go ahead. Like I can't tell you how many times, like, so just for your listeners, I worked at a, at a pretty large church. Um, the last two churches I've worked at have been, you know, pretty large in size, but my role specifically in my last church was I was the director of video media production. So I did everything online, church, video, video announcements. I video, videoed everything, produced everything, you know, recorded everything. And that was my job. Um, when I felt God releasing me from that ministry and to go help other churches, you know, smaller in size to, you know, up their marketing, up their social media, up their website, up their video presence. I can't tell you how many times, Scott, they were intimidated by the fact that like, oh, we're going to have to pay this somebody, this person, you know, an absorbent amount of money to, to come in and video us. And most of the time I don't even charge them. Or if I do charge them, it's not very much at all. 
It's, I'm, mm. you know, I didn't go to film school. I didn't go to school for communications. I went to school for music and I went to school for theology. Like I, um, you know, videoing is not my, my trade, but I know how to do it. And so, you know, I'm humbled by the fact that I can do that and help and bless other churches and ministries. But like, I can't tell you, my whole point in that is like, I can't tell you how many churches I've talked to where they've been intimidated by the fact that somebody could come in or they're intimidated by the fact that they're, they may have to pay somebody an exorbitant amount of money, which in real, you know, realistically you don't and you just live within your means. And if you know somebody that can do that, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Robbie White, he's fantastic at setting up tech and video and sound and audio stuff. And like, in most cases, Robbie can come and fix a soundboard in like two minutes, right? He's just that good. And he, you know, let's pay him a couple hundred dollars. Come, you know, waste, you know, five minutes of a time. Sure. I'll, I'll come to your church for five minutes and <laughs> fix your soundboard and get $200 and walk away. Like that's great. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, I just, again, I just can't get over the fact that churches are super intimidated by the fact that they may have to pay you like some crazy amount of money. Cause there are, you know, that's, that's a trap that churches get into as well. Like they'll, they'll call some consulting company or consulting firm and they come out and they're like, Oh, it's going to be about, you know, $150,000 or it's going to be, you know, 20 grand or 40 grand. And it's like, dude, be realistic. We're a church of 50 or 75 and we don't have that kind of money. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's what, that's what we pay our pastor a year. Like be realistic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so just to kind of help kind of wrap this up and summarize everything, um, you know, first, when it comes to tithe and offering, for those of you who are just regular church people, you know, it all has to start with your relationship with God and what you feel God is calling you to give to the church. If it's 10%, that's right. If you don't, if you can't give 10% because you're struggling financial with finances, that's okay too. You know, give what you can to maybe give a little bit more test God in that. And if you're able to still make budget and everything else, then, you know, increase. Um, if you can't give, you know, at 10% of a tithe, or you feel like you're not giving enough and you kind of feel guilty about that, then give in other ways, give, your finances, but then also give of your time, give of your gifts and talents. And then, and then lastly, you know, and I think this is more of an accountability thing, but really pay attention, go to your budget meetings, go to your annual business meetings, look at your spreadsheets and, and just kind of, in some ways, in some ways, you know, is the church being good stewards of the money that they're at, that they're getting? I think there has to be an accountability. And if you're someone, because I know a lot of people who they love the church, they give to the church, but they never show up to a business meeting. Yep. And part of me goes, don't you want to know what your giving's going to? And, and not only that, but I think it's also important for the church and the leadership to communicate, hey, thank you so much for giving. Here's what we're able to do. And I mean, I was at church yesterday and they, every, I mean, like, and, you know, pre post COVID, it's like, here's an online mail it text, you know, there's, or there's a box, you can drop your gifts in there or your tithe and offering in there. But one of the things they had a thing that said offering, and instead of passing collection plates, it was just a video from their family minister saying, guys, thank you so much for giving. And they, he did a video saying, Hey, here's our roadmap for how we do things. We just dedicated, we just had like, 50 families go through our first class. And basically the reason we have these classes and the way we're able to encourage these families to be good, godly parents for their kids is based on your guys's faithful giving to the church. It was just a really quick 
one minute video. And yet to me, it was like, well, that's great because it's kind of breaking the thing like, oh, we're just giving to a building or we're giving to a pastor, we're giving to staff. No, you're giving to the kingdom work that is changing lives, that is empowering and building up families through resources, books, staff. All, yeah, all that's there. But the end goal of why you're giving is to do kingdom work. And if you feel like you're spending all this time giving and it's just to kind of build up your own storehouses and it's not being outward with the kingdom and you're not really making big impacts, then I think there has to be an accountability going, okay, I give faithfully and I feel like we're not getting outside the building. We're not really impacting our communities. It's mostly us keeping our lights on, keeping our doors open. There has to be more than this. So make sure as a parishioner, be accountable. And then for you in church leaders, please don't misuse the scriptures to try to pull more money out of your people. Don't let that be a sermon series. Let that be a business meeting. And if you feel like you're not making budget, then you know be good stewards and figure out, okay, what can we cut? And if it does mean relocation, Go that route. I know people in your church may not like that, but you have to have those frank conversations to make sure that you're being accountable to the money that's being poured into the church that you're overseeing. So that's kind of my summary. Anything you'd like to add to that, Micah? Yeah, just to piggyback real quick um, as we kind of wind you know, our time down, like back to like empowering somebody. Like if you're a pastor and you're all by yourself at a church, like, and you don't know how to do numbers and you're not good at spreadsheets. Like if there's somebody in your church that you can equip and empower to do that kind of stuff, bring them on, like, let them, let them, you know, keep track of your budget and, you know, give yourself, you know, give yourself some grace, give yourself some, uh, you know, space to like learn about those things. Right. Like I, like my wife and I are both like practical, very practical people with, with our money. Like we don't blow money unless we feel like it's necessary to like, and it's not even blowing it. It's like spending it because we absolutely have to. Right. So like, you know, we give to the church, we pay our bills, we put money in savings every single month. And that's just kind of like been the mantra of our marriage. And so like, if you can find somebody in your church to do that and keep stuff, you know, like a float and keep stuff going on the straight and narrow, like also, so there's that find somebody, empower them, equip them. And then on the other side, like give yourself a cushion, but don't be afraid to spend that cushion. If the time, you know, the time and the, the place arises where you need to invest in a ministry or an opportunity, or you want to uh, grow your ministry or, or give to a mission, or if something happens where you would need to re- relocate or something like that, or you wanted to build a new building or something where you have that cushion where you can actually, you know, not be completely afraid to break the bank. Like mm-hmm. those are my two things. Give to God, give to the church, find somebody, you know, if you're struggling as a pastor or a leader that knows how to do numbers, knows how to keep things on the straight and narrow. And then finally give yourself that grace and give yourself a cushion to survive um, in, in an event of an emergency or, or a time of, you know, a true time of need. Like be, again, being good stewards of God's money. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Micah, again, thank you for being on the show. Thank you for uh, helping me navigate through this topic. And I think uh, next time we meet, we'll probably um, probably continue this topic, but really kind of look at another thing, which is, I think kind of, in my opinion, I believe is that sometimes people have a hard time giving because they just don't know how to 
They don't have control over their own personal finances. So they really don't know what they can give uh, to the ministry. So that's a topic that we will talk about uh, next time. So guys, thank you so much for listening and have a good day. 